Well, good morning, everybody. My name is David McMinn, and I am the pastor here, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship our Savior today with us. Uh, I can tell you there's no place I would rather be right now, and I hope you feel the same. I love coming to worship Jesus with you. It fills me up. It strengthens me for the week, and it's just part of what we're called to do as Christians, to worship God and who God is. So I'm so glad you're here. We are continuing our sermon series on what it means to live unafraid. She was a writer, wanted to be a writer, had failed in many aspects of her life, had been divorced, was on welfare, was struggling to take care of her own family. She had taken her book to over 12 different publishers, and they had all rejected her. Until the last publisher agreed to publish her book and gave her a very small amount for the contract, 1,500 pounds, and said that maybe she should write something else because not many people would read children's books. <laughs> Ashley's excited. She knows who I'm talking about. That woman is J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter, which has been read by over 500 million people. They've made movies out of these books. Yes, there were books before the movies, if you've only seen the movies. Go read them. Um, but, and the movies have made $6.5 billion. Can you imagine if J.K. Rowley had listened to all those voices in her head, all the failures in her past, and said, I am too afraid to do what I think I'm called to do. I have a, a quote for, from her I want to put up on the screen. It says, it is impossible to live without failing. Do you hear that, church? It's impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all in which case you fell by default. Today we're talking about a fear of failure, which if you are under 50 years old is the number one fear. Statistically, that's what people say, fear of failure. We're afraid that we're gonna let people down. We're afraid of the shame that people are gonna look at us if we fail. It is the number one fear of young people. And, and we build this up in different ways. Sometimes we get in our own head, right? And we start thinking about how difficult the task is and how hard it is for us to complete it. And, and we start thinking of every little thing that can go wrong and, and we overanalyze every moment till it feels like by the end of that, we've already failed. Anybody been there before? Right? So not only, you're, you're kind of experiencing failure twice in that sometimes because you've worked it up so much in your mind, it's like you've already failed. Another reason that we often fail is that we have this kind of all or nothing mindset, right? That if we fail in a little thing, that we're going to fail in big things too. For example, if you make a mistake at work, it means you're a terrible worker. Or if you can't run 26.2 miles to do a marathon, it means you shouldn't run at all. These are kind of things that get in our mind, and, and then we just get the idea that we should not even begin to try. I, want two I have two statements I want you to think over today. First is, most things are not as hard or as scary as we fear they will be. I'm going to repeat that. Most things are not as hard or as scary as we think they will be. It doesn't mean they're not difficult, but we work up in our minds that they're way more difficult than they actually are. So most things are not as hard or as scary as we think they are. And the second is, successful people do not let fear to keep them from doing what they feel like they should do. Or as I put it, successful people do what they need to even if they are afraid. Successful people are able to have success because they're willing to do things that other people aren't when they say, oh man, that's too scary, that's too difficult. They do it anyways. And if we are not just gonna be successful people but people of faith, we cannot let a fear of failure 
rule our lives. We cannot let a fear of failure rule our lives. Because I promise you, as a follower of Jesus, God is going to ask you to do something difficult. God is going to say, you know, you need to go talk to that person at work. You need to go speak to your neighbor. You need to go on a mission trip to Guatemala. You need to go on a youth mission trip and sleep on the floor. God is going to ask you to do difficult things. And if we always get to that point where we're not even willing to try, we'll have already failed. You fail if you don't even try. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what does Scripture say in this really peculiar story about this guy Gideon who goes to God five different times before he's willing to do what God wants him to do. It's, it's really fascinating. And we're going to talk about what does Scripture t- tell us on how to overcome failure and just some wise things. And in a little bit, I'm going to invite uh, Kathy Quinn, who's a licensed professional counselor, and she's going to give us some tips on overcoming our fears in, in real and practical ways. So our scripture this morning comes from Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through when I get tired of reading. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with the book of Judges, it's, it's this tragic and yet fascinating book. You have the people of God, and they're, they're following along, and they're with God, and they're ruled by these people called Judges, right? And they do well for a while, then all of a sudden they start worshiping other gods. Which again, we talked about that when we talked about Moses. That the number one thing that God says do not do is worship other gods. There's a bunch of other rules and they're supposed to follow those too. But the thing that gets them in trouble over and over again is they get distracted and worship these other gods. And this happens and so then God will allow them to be oppressed by one group of people or another. Because God protects them. God literally fought their battles for them. And God's kind of like, well, if you think you can do this on your own, whoever had a parent like, well, if you think you're big enough, right? Like, if you think you're big enough to to handle this on your own, you can go and try. And that's kind of how God is with the Jewish people. If you think you're big enough to defeat these guys on your own, you can try it. And invariably, the people, they came, they oppressed God's people. And then they would cry out to God. And God's like, well, (laughs) didn't you remember how I fought the Egyptian for you, and didn't you remember how I was with you? And, and then you're the ones that left, not me. And this cycle happens over and over again. And then God sends a judge to save them, and unfortunately they, they end up making the same mistake a generation later. So anyway, so this is Judges chapter 6, starting with verse 1. The Israelites did things that the Lord saw as evil, and the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Now I told you that was worshiping other gods, Right? instead of worshiping the real God who literally lived in their tabernacle, right? They could go and they could, not everybody could go face to face, but they knew that the, the glory of God resided with them. They would go worship these gods of wood and stone because they saw how powerful these other people were and they're like, well, maybe they, their God is the real God. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a, an analogy here and I don't want you to take it too far, right? What if our idol that we're worshiping is fear, and God is telling us, well, if, if you want to worship fear over me, I'm going to let you deal with the consequence of that choice. Now, I'm not saying worshiping fear is the same as worshiping another God. That's not what I'm saying. But in the same way that God let them experience the consequence of those choices, if we trust in fear or, or give in to fear over our trust in God, God's going to let us deal with it because that's the kind of God we have. God's going to be like, you're going to get to deal with the consequence of that choice. The story goes on. 
Then the power of the Midianites prevailed over Israel. And because of the Midianites, the Israelites used crevices and caves in the mountains and in hidden strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted seeds, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other Easterners would invade. They would set up camp against the Israelites and destroy the land's crops as far as Gaza, leaving nothing to keep Israel alive, not even sheep, oxen, or donkeys. They just took everything. They had nothing. They were, they were desperate. And when we are desperate, what do we do? What do we do when we're desperate? We cry out to God, right? When we're desperate, that's when we seek God. Wouldn't it be great if we cried out to God when we weren't desperate and see how God could be active in our life? But oftentimes we wait until we're broken and desperate. And I think that's one of the reasons that God lets us experience the consequences of our choices and our mistakes. Because we know we, when we're broken, we're going to fall on our knees and that's when we're going to cry out to God. So they cry out to God and Uh, Skipping ahead a little bit to verse 10. I told you, I am the Lord your God, and you must not worship the gods of the Amorites. Sometimes I I think that the uh, Israelites were just as hard-headed as I am. Because they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then he says, but you have not obeyed me. And this is the peculiar story of Gideon. Then the Lord's messenger came and sat under the oak at Orphrah that belonged to Joash the Abizurite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. The Lord's messenger appeared to him. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So the Lord's messenger, some sort of angel, some sort of presence of God, directly comes to Gideon, okay? I think that would be pretty overwhelming, and I might listen to this messenger. But, but that's not exactly how it plays out. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Gideon replied, with all due respect, my Lord. You know, whenever you say with all due respect, you're probably saying something not terribly respectful. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Were all his amazing works that our ancestors recounted to us, saying, didn't the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and allowed Midian to overpower us. Then the Lord turned to him and said, you have strength, so go and rescue Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not personally sending you? But again, Gideon said to him, with all due respect, my Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in, in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest of my household. And the Lord replied, because I am with you, you will defeat the Midianites, as if they were just one person. Then Gideon said to him, if I've gained your approval, please show me a sign that you really are speaking with me. Don't leave here until I return, but bring out my offering and set it in front of you. So he goes and he shows him the sign, and then Gideon Later in the day, or the next day, or whenever, he goes to God again. He's like, I need more signs. And so he says, I'm going to lay this fleece on the ground. If there's dew only on the fleece, but not around it, then I'll believe you. And so guess what? There's dew on the fleece and not all around it. But then, a fifth time, he puts the same fleece down. He says, now if the fleece is dry, and there's dew all around it, I will believe you. And finally, after five times, so first he, he says, well, God, if you're really here, why are we struggling with the Midianites? Then he says, hey, I'm the weakest of my family and my clan. You wouldn't choose me. He's like, okay, maybe, but I need to see a sign. And then he asks for another sign, and then he asks for another sign. And that's kind of how we are, right, when God calls us to do something. I'll do it, God, but first of all, you've got to know I'm not very good at that. And we're like, well, maybe I'll do it if you give me a sign. Well, that sign, you know, natural things could explain that sign. Give me a couple more, and then maybe, maybe I'll do what you're asking me to do. 
I don't know about you, but thinking about Gideon, this judge, this person chosen by God to rescue the people of Israel, struggling, struggling with a fear of failure. Isn't that what it sounds like when he says, I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest of my family and my clan. But thankfully, God is patient, and God doesn't leave him there, and God continues to work with him until he's able to trust God over his fear. And that's where we need to get as a people, as a church, to not be so afraid of failing that it paralyzes us, it freezes us, and prevents us from being the people God wants us to be. And so I'm going to share with you some practical ways that you can overcome your fear of failure, because I know this is something that many of us struggle with. I'm going to start out with telling you, and this isn't one of my tips because as a Christian, this is such a Bible answer, but pray. Right? If you're struggling, pray. Start there. But there's four things. And the first thing is that you need to set reasonable goals. You need to set reasonable goals. You know, when we came here and we had World Vision come and and invite us to run a marathon, many of us weren't runners, and it seemed like a daunting task to run either 13 miles or 26 miles, right? That seems impossible. I couldn't get up tomorrow and run 26.2 miles. That's, that's, that's silly. And oftentimes when we think about our struggle with failure, we think about where we want to be at the end. And, and that seems like too big or too great a task. Well, you don't train for a marathon by deciding on February 16th that you're going to get up and run a marathon the next day, right? We've been working for 18 weeks. Some people who went couch to half marathon were working for four weeks before that. And you set reasonable goals. If you're not a runner, you run and walk and run and walk for a certain amount of time until you get to a distance. And then you train throughout the week, and then you have these longer runs. It starts at six miles, and then eight miles, then 10 miles, and 12 miles. Until before you know it, you're running 20 miles. And then when you get to that day of the marathon, you're like, I can do this. So when we have a fear of failure, we got to break it down into small pieces. And not just try to achieve that big goal in the end. But figure out what are the little steps that we need to take. What are those measures that we can take in our life that if we do those over and over again will get us to where we want to be. So break it down and set reasonable goals. The second one may sound a little bit ridiculous, but we have to learn to celebrate failure. Celebrate failure. Yes, and I mean what I say. One of my favorite movies, favorite kids' movies, is a, a movie called Meet the Robinsons. And it has this character, Lewis, who's an inventor. And he, he thinks that he often gets rejected because he can't succeed. And so uh, along the story, I'm not going to spoil the story for you if you haven't seen it. I, I highly recommend it. It's a great movie with a great message. He meets this new family. And because he's an inventor, they have this device that shoots, like, peanut butter and jelly, which just sounds awesome, right? Like if you could make a, had a peanut butter and jelly gun and, and they have it and it breaks and they're all freaking out because someone's got to have their peanut butter and jelly. And so like, Lewis, you can fix this. You're an inventor. And so he tries to fix it. At first it's working great and then it explodes and peanut butter and jelly go everywhere. And he's thinking he's about to get kicked out of this family. And then all of a sudden, Everyone starts clapping, and there's confetti and balloons, and they're cheering because they're celebrating failure. They're celebrating because he tried something difficult, and he did his best, and he didn't succeed. And that's okay. What we can't celebrate is a kind of failure when we don't even try. 
In fact, if we don't try, we're going to fail, right? But we need to celebrate when we do difficult things and we give it our best and we try new things and we try to experiment and learn because failure really teaches us more than success. So what if we thought about failure as not something to be feared but something to be celebrated? But the kind of failure where we're experiencing new horizons and trying new things and and stepping out boldly in faith. The third thing is we need accountability. The Christian faith is all about accountability. And I know it's difficult in our time because we're always like, don't judge me. But we need accountability. That's why you need to be in a small group with people, in a life group, who know the person that you want to be. One of the reasons Weight Watchers is so successful. If you're trying to lose weight, and you know every week you're going to have to show up and step on a scale, and that judgy person's going to look at you, right? I said, you've been eating Twinkies this week because you gained two pounds. We're a lot more likely to do what we feel called to do if we have people in our life. And that means that not getting upset when people are holding you accountable, but giving that role and responsibility to people you trust. And it starts with a life group. It starts with those people that you want to do life together with. And if, if you're looking for a life group, talk to Randy. We'll do our best to try to find you one. Or we'll even make a new one <laughs> to, to make it work for you. So we need accountability. And the last thing that we need in we need to lean into is our faith, of course. You know, even though Gideon kept going back to God, he trusted in God. And what's amazing is that Gideon recruits all these warriors, and then God keeps sending them back until he's down to 300 warriors, and then, because he wants Gideon to know that it was God fighting this battle, that he doesn't win based on his own abilities, but because it's God. And we've got to trust in God. And that doesn't mean that everything you're trying to do, you're going to succeed just if you trust God. It's just not how it works. It's not some sort of formula. But you are far more likely to succeed if you trust God. But the great thing is that if we trust God and we fail, we can trust that the people who love us are still going to love us anyways, right? When we make mistakes, those people who love us generally don't kick us out. But even if they do, even if they do, even if you make the worst mistake and you do the most awful thing and everyone rejects you in this world, If you seek God, God will never, ever reject you. God will always forgive you. In fact, this is what 1 John tells us. 1 John 1, verse 9. It says this. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. So even if you fail because you make the wrong choices and you do awful things and you make mistakes, God will still be with you. God will still love you. God will still be by your side. And God will help you pick up the pieces. There's a song we've been listening to on repeat (laughs) with my family. And I, I just wanted to share the words. It's called Even Then by Micah Tyler. This is what it says. On the nights when the dark lasts a little bit longer... Sorry. (laughs) When the wind and the storm is a little bit stronger, when the fear in my heart digs a little bit deeper, when my faith to stand gets a little bit weaker, where could I run to? Where could I go? Even when it feels my world is shaken, even when I've had all that I can take, I know you never let me go. And even when the waters won't stop rising, And even when I'm caught in the dead of night, I know, no matter how it ends, you're with me, even then.
God is with us, even in our darkest moments. And so we should not be afraid of failure. I'm going to invite Kathy up, and uh, she's going to share a little bit about some very practical things about how we can know what fear is and overcome it in our life. So Kathy, can you just share a little bit from your professional background on what is fear? Well, fear is a feeling, really. <clears throat> because a lot of, as you said, the fear doesn't always exist. And even if it does, it may be a lot smaller than what we would have first thought. Um, fear is something that we start to feel in our bones. We're shaking. We're having a visceral response. We're, our mind is racing. You know, we, we feel it intensely. And that can be really overpowering and super overwhelming. So we have to kind of figure out what it is and name our fears and start to figure out what is it I'm afraid of? What is it about me that makes, this, makes me have fear about this thing? So if it's goal setting or if it's just something that's, that's really daunting, um, it doesn't go away, fear doesn't go away, but we start to manage it. And that's what you're talking about with faith. So. How does that fear, when we're afraid of something, you know, it's an emotion, it's, it's how we're feeling, but how does it happen, how does it affect us physically? So physically, um, fear is everything from, you know, I'm just sweating a little bit like I am right now a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, he asked me Friday, I got to talk Sunday, like, really, you know. Um, and just the idea of, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get this wrong. Maybe I've been sick, maybe I'll cough the whole time, you know. <laughs> just little fears. But I start to feel that somewhere. And it's, it's intense and it's, 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 ner it's my nerves, you know. It's maybe I go, at night, go to sleep at night fearing and thinking about something over and over again. So it's real, and it, it feels very real to us. Um, it's, it sort of takes over, and, that, and that's what we work on to manage, is letting God take that. Um, and that, that God believes in us, and God's, um, God wants only good for us. So once we start to really internalize that sense, that's the only time that we're going to take control over our own fears, is, is allowing God to enter in and for us to really internalize his goodwill, his love, and his care for us. So um, it may not work out the way we want to, but God is there with us. What are some of your best tips on if you're feeling a fear of, to overcome that and be able to live the life that we're called to? I'm holding my notes because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to remember any of this, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, uh, naming your fear, right? Figuring out what your, if it's a goal, if it's oriented in your career, if it's in your personal life, whatever that is, that you would start to name that, that you would start to identify what is it about this that is blocking me from success or from trying this or from stepping out into my faith more fully, um, we have to start to name that, identify it, and start to get to know ourselves. What is it about me that's keeping me from going forward? Is it my fear of speaking in public places? Maybe I should work on that. Or maybe I just need encouragement. Maybe I need support. We, we don't like to ask for help. I know, I know it's not, not, not fun sometimes to try to say I need help or I feel like I can't do this. Um, and so we humble ourselves. Um, but if you remember, God, God wants to help you, and God believes in us, then if God believes in us, why are we thinking other people wouldn't or that we should, shouldn't believe that? It's almost like we're saying and rejecting, I don't believe you, God. Mm, absolutely. I'm not going to believe in myself about that. 
everything else you're saying, but not that. I'm not going to believe that one. And that is, that, that's just about our faith. That's, that's us questioning God at that time. So if that's something you need help with, then you reach out. You find a trusting support, like you said, or an encourager, an accountability partner, someone who's going to meet with you regularly, someone you can ask to mentor you on this. Like, mm -hmm. if you can do it, how can I do this too? And those are the things that kind of get us to the point where we finally believe God does want this for me. This, this is something I can do, but you have to internalize it and identify it. And thank you, Kathy. Let's give her a hand. And Kathy is a licensed professional counselor, so if you need that professional help, um, please speak to Kathy about that. I have a video that I want to show you all real quick. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Do you hear that? Imagine if Michael Jordan had taken some of those misses and chosen not to shoot his shot. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have as a church. We need people of faith who don't let fear distract us, who don't let fear overcome us, who don't let fear overwhelm us. That we take practical steps like setting goals, celebrating failure, having accountability partners, and trusting God with our faith. And if we do, we can do what God has called us to do in this life, which is to live boldly. We have a vision to bridge people to Jesus through disciples who love, learn, and launch. And we have a bold goal this year of 100 new disciples in faith. And that's going to require each of you to live boldly in your communities, to invite people, to share your faith with them. Don't worry, we're going to equip, equip you to do it over the next few months. We're not going to just say, go do it. But we have a bold goal. We have bold visions. And if we're going to live into that, we cannot be controlled by our fear. So may you be a people who when you are faced with that fear of failure, that you boldly go to God and say, God, I trust you so that you can be the person that God has called you to be. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.